Ultra City Smiths is Stephen Conrad's creation in the same way that Final Space was Olin Rogers' vision and Primal was a composite of Gendy Tartakovsky's ideas. Like Tartakovsky, Conrad has had a prominent career. He wrote the screenplays to Nicolas Cage's Weatherman, Will Smith's Pursuit of Happiness, Ben Stiller's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and this isn't even his first TV show. Most recently, he had Epic's airing neo-noir thriller Perpetual Grace LTD, and more notably, beginning in 2015, he completed two seasons of Patriot for Amazon. That show has an 8.3 on IMDb, a cult following, and starred Michael Dorman from For All Mankind. Why am I broadcasting Stephen Conrad's biggest hits? Well, Ultra City Smiths is, I'd venture, different than anything you've ever seen before. And it's important to note that the only way a show like this gets greenlit is if you built up a lot of goodwill in the industry, or you've got some serious blackmail on the right people. So on today's episode, we recap the sixth episode finale titled Family of Orphans to Ultra City Smiths, the stop-motion crime drama featuring an ensemble of talking baby dolls living in a musical thriller noir. Let's jump into it. So this is a safe place. There's no higher-ups managing our opinions, no judgment, and I've read the reviews to this show, and they confuse me a lot. They kind of worry me almost as if there's like a conspiracy going on. This show is about animated baby dolls that have been repurposed to look like adults. Stop me if I'm wrong about any of this. But they're playing serious characters, and they're voiced by famous actors. It's shot like a movie, so there's like actual direction that goes on. And... There's spontaneous dance scenes that show up. No real genre that's the, that they stay to. It sounds like a clusterfuck. It sounds like it was made to be intentionally bad. It sounds like whatever network picked this up put a ton of, like, they, they must have just had all the confidence in Stephen Conrad because it feels like the plot of the producers where, where it's intentionally supposed to just blow up and then it's actually not too bad. I, I'm not sure if I would say necessarily it was made to be bad, but yes, it's definitely a clusterfuck intentionally. So, I mean, you have storylines going several different directions. You have random plot lines that will come up. And they, I watched the fifth and sixth episode. They'll even have like crossover jokes from episode to episode. There's a character named Chris Pecker and his whole entire deal is he's trying to pick up a coin with his dick. And then, like, in episode six, you still see him continually doing that. And that's the last you see of him in the finale of this show. You also have, uh, yeah. Did like it leave an opening for next season? Because it seemed like yeah, from there was all a lot the of reviews for the, from the season finale. Yeah, that it was that Stephen Conrad has multiple seasons that he's plotting out. And that he also wants to give everybody a dance number or song. Were, yeah, I mean, were well, there different songs every episode? Yeah, and by different people as well. Daniela. What what happened in the last episode? In yeah, the, in the last episode, um, Gail song wise, song wise, uh, this guy comes up to Gail's son. She's a main character, Trevor, and Trevor's waiting for Gail uh, to, for Gail to pick him up. And then he's trying to get him to go to this like tween rally that they're having. And once Trevor finally decides to go, this is like by the very ending, uh, the, that guy we were just introduced to suddenly starts like singing a song about how he's trying to steal everyone's tween. 
It's it's the most randomest thing that they could think of. Steal everyone's tween. Well, they're supposed to be random because Conrad is one of those uh, directors and writers who hates predictable stuff. Yeah, well, he definitely made this show the finale unpredictable. Like all the people he works with, as far as his uh, writing team and also like growing up, he would watch things on TV like Mystery uh, Science Theater Three Thousand. Yeah, he wouldn't watch that, but he would do things like that where he would sit in front of the TV and just sort of mock. What would like Quentin Tarantino sort of the the cliche? He, well, that, so he, so everything that he does, especially with Patriot Patriot, which again has an eight point three on IMDb, got a lot of um, positive feedback because they took what you would normally suspect to happen, but then still surprise people. And it, he he considers it a successful show and uh, and plot point if you can make it feel like it was meant to be that way. However, you're still surprised as an audience. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing that I was kind of surprised with by the finale is the fact that in the fifth episode, I felt like Mills, who is a character who his storyline is basically he had a, another cop um, that I worked with named Nico and Nico ends up dying in the fifth episode. Yeah. That was kind of what I felt like his season story arc was. Um, I thought he was the main character in the fifth episode. Then Gail ended up kind of being the main character in this episode. By the very ending, you see all of the storylines that they've introduced you to in this finale kind of center around her because so much is going on. One, her brother is um, involved in a bank robbery, uh, and we see that happen kind of at the very end of this episode. And uh, for the finale, you see that Gail is outside of the bank robbery. However, Mills is calling her because... Um, he's like kind of worried about dying. He's being followed by this motorcycle person, um, and he doesn't know this. That kind of kills people. Um, he she also was like promising Trevor that they go to the arcade, and again she never shows up to Trevor's place. I mean, just a ton of different storylines coalescing into one big like kind of cliffhanger that's leaving you wondering what they're going to do. Because by the end, the cops are saying they're going to storm into the bank and. Who knows what's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I assume that since we didn't really see the fallout of it in this episode, I'm guessing that Gail's brother is probably going to be fine. They kind of set it up like, is he going to die? Is he not? But I think that he and the people that he's robbing the bank with are probably going to be fine. I assume that they're, they probably signed contracts to be in season two at this point. I don't um, know. if se- Season two hasn't even been greenlit yet. This is on AMC+. Plus. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm surprised to hear that because, like, again, it seemed like with all the sort of cliffhangers that they were leaving off of, not a lot of them are actually, like, there's not a lot of resolution in this finale. For example, Mills ends up going to this one um this one person's house and that person ends up being his mom and he doesn't know that he's going to be arresting or like he's like i'm here to arrest you but he doesn't know that she's his mom it, mm-hmm. like there's so much stuff that happened and then the narrator also there's a narrator throughout this season tom waits yes tom waits and he is like an actual character in the thing that is a surprise like, it's it, yeah it, like that's it, a reveal i, I read in the yeah, last episode yeah because in this episode he starts off i think he starts off every episode and he's like i'm not going to be here a lot for this one because i have my own job to do and you realize that his job to do is um he's an informant for the person who's trying who's mill's mom it's it, it just a ton of crazy stuff going interconnected on. <laughs> plot yeah. points so it sounds like it could be a complex but decent show yeah well the thing was is that episode five i really didn't like i was like what is this shit like this is complete awful garbage and then episode six because it tossed so much at you or yeah. because you were jumping in there cold yeah but by right. episode six you would have been acclimated a little bit more to well that and I, I was glad i did because there was again stuff that you needed to see in episode five to understand like i wouldn't have understood really what gate what gail storyline what was going on with her be- 
because I wouldn't understand that we like would have seen the brother trying to commit the robbery. But I, overall, you liked the show. Yeah, especially when I saw the finale. Like, for example, Daniela in episode five, she's running for mayor and her poll numbers are so high. And then her Chris Pecker, the person who's trying to pick up the nickel with his dick for the two episodes, ends up giving, um, I believe, her opponent, Jeff Thumb, like a sex Congressman save. Pecker, you know who he's played by? I, I I'm gonna, we're going to get into the casting yeah. soon, but it's Dak Shepard. So it's oh, just okay. like, you know, I was wondering if it was like possibly like another Beck Bennett or, or something like well, that. Well, his wife, uh, Donella Pecker, is played Chris, by Kristen, Kristen Bell. Bell yeah. yeah so. um, and Kristen Bell in this episode, her storyline is that she is going to either her brother or brother in law and trying to get him to run for mayor because she really does not want Jeff Thumb to be elected again. And again, uh, last episode, a sex tape was revealed with her being Catwoman. And that made her poll numbers go down. And there was even a funny joke where um, at the end of the last episode, every like the news reports are analyzing her sex tape, like being like she you can see the moves that she's doing. And everyone is just so involved in it that even when the bank robbers show up, all the bank tellers are just looking at their phone watching the sex tape. It's, it does sound a little like uh, Harvey, Harvey Birdman. Or it sounds like it sounds like um, all those Comedy Central, Nick at Night, like the the late Cartoon night Network, ones. Cart- Adult Swim, Adult Swim yeah. shows. I said that it was, uh, the animation humor is definitely like Modoc, um, but kind of it's structured like the Shivering Truth, where it seems like even though the Shivering Truth is an anthology series, um, basically every single scene, it still feels like there's throwing anything in there, not even only to be funny, but either shocking or horrific or whatever they're trying to do. And how human are these baby dolls? Like, in terms of their character or how they're animated? How they're animated? Uh, the animation, I mean, I kind of got over it after a while, but yeah, you realize that you're... That's why some of the drama didn't work. I realized I was watching baby dolls but, trying to be like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they shot it differently than normal. Like, usually when you have prop baby dolls, you shoot it on, like, a level uh, theater type mm-hmm. stage. Yeah, But right. this, they shot it, it, they had 40 sets that they had at this giant soundstage in Toronto. And they had a multiple dolls for each lead character so that they could shoot multiple sets well, at multiple yeah. times. And it was a painstaking process, but they definitely tried to make it uh, like like they were shooting a movie. Like if they were going to shoot an outdoor scene, they were going to shoot it like they were shooting an outdoor scene right. in real life. Like and, from from the the camera angles to uh, to just the settings like themselves, not just straight on, but from like the lower part of the face, yeah, the close up stuff. Yeah. So that, that they shot it like was that impressive at all, or do you just feel like that yeah. sh- that, that that was too much work for the? Well, especially now that I've seen the finale where they had so many different sets, whether it was um, Mills being in a bar, um, calling his wife, or the the different camera shots. Yeah, you definitely get the sense that there was a lot of work put into this thing. Yeah, they only shot from January to July. They had September to January in order to like set things up. But then after that, all the uh, shots and the recording and from everyone, all that happened in a brief like six, seven months. Well, it's very colorful. Like for and exam- they only got six episodes done but that's still for stop motion pretty, yeah, it's, pretty it's, big it's crazy i know for like anomalisa which i think i already compared it to it took like five years for them just to get the puppetry done and so yeah that, that's pretty crazy that they were able to do that but again you'll have scenes where like maybe when they're uh outside of the um bank it'll mm-hmm. be like all white and then again when the guy is singing about uh you know capturing tweens he'll be down in a sewer and you'll see it's just a ton of different colors so yeah I, I was definitely impressed by it and again even more so after i saw the finale and i was like oh this is an actual show that has some good heart behind it because although the dramatic moments didn't work 
maybe for the full episode, but the last five minutes when you see everything happening, such as Mills having to arrest his mom, not realizing it's his mom, or Gail uh, possibly seeing her brother die, and, and, and everything's coming to a head, I thought that that was done very well. Mm-hmm. And so when I said all of Steve Stephen Conrad's like previous works from Pursuit of Happiness, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Weatherman, would you have like thought of those as all related? No, not at all. Maybe Walter Mitty in the sense where I know Walter Mitty was all about cinematography. And as we've kind of covered, that's that's what this show is kind of about as well. Also, what would uh, Patriot, the humor, kind of the odd quirkiness of it all. One thing he's learned over the course of his career is that he doesn't like to have someone else direct his work. He considers writing and directing the same job. Well, yeah. And so he with this and all his TV shows, he's basically been the one in charge of both writing the scenes and also then playing them out for it. So th- these are coming out the way he intended them when he wrote them out, unlike his movies where those were directed by different people. Right, well, there are three things. There's writing, directing, and then editing. And I've learned that um, unless maybe you're someone like Olin Rogers or someone who's like doing a YouTube thing, you can do two of those things, but you definitely can't do all three. Um, mm. And so I know that a well, lot of Well, he likes people... to surround himself with good people. And also the amount of respect that comes back towards him Virtually everyone in this show he's worked with before, often on multiple projects. Yeah, you have like Jimmy Simpson, Jason Manzukis, who is probably the only voice I recognize except for maybe John C. Riley. Jason Manzukis uh, at this point is just in every, <laughs> no, no, every animated thing. He he just has a permanent like staple onto every show that comes out that's supposed to be animated. I don't think he's been Rick and Morty yet, but he probably will be by he the end. He probably has been. He also stated in multiple interviews that, and I'm talking about Stephen uh, Conrad again, that no one was really paid for their their voice in this. Really, that's a, that's how much they want to be in his shows. So, which mean they got scale. They didn't. They obviously got something, but they probably just got the basic minimum. So you have John C. Riley, mm-hmm. Terry O'Quinn, uh, Kurt Wood Smith, Jimmy Simpson. I'm not going to name them all, but I will name a bunch. Yeah. Kristen Bell, Melissa Villa Senor. Uh, Alia Shawkat, who is um, Dory from uh, Search Party. Oh, okay. And, uh, Divine Joy Randolph, uh, Luis Guzman, um, or Guzman. Um, I was trying to figure out who he played. I, I couldn't tell. But, he yeah. played Rodrigo. Rodrigo Smalls. Uh, Jason Manzukis, And then one of the greatest songwriters of all time, as you mentioned before, Tom Waits. And uh, you mentioned earlier that there was also a Trevor character. That would have been the kid from Stranger Things, Caleb mm-hmm. McLaughlin. Uh, which, which one? Uh, the African-American okay, kid. Yeah. Right. Uh, tremendous amount of respect from these people. It seems like everybody just loves to be. And it, I listened to an interview with, with Stephen Conrad. It went for like an hour and a half. I went through double speed or whatever. Mm. But really smart dude. I think that's the real reason that people, mag- he's got that magnetic personality is because people hear him talk and they're like, well, this guy actually knows. He's loquacious. He has the, he's able to pick the word that he wants to use a lot easier than most people. A lot easier than I would be able to. But I also want not a lot of ums and stuff like that. (laughs) Not a lot. Well, I I don't think it matters as long as you get to your eventual point and it always makes sense. That's what I think he has a gift at. But he also decided to write and he's always writing. But he also wrote something that was almost produced. It never got made back in the early 2000s. I want to see if you can guess what it, it is. It starred someone big. And it was supposed to be kind of like mocking them at the same time, and they were going to be in it playing themselves. Mocking them. Okay. So there's going to be three options here, and you got to pick which one's options. real. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Chad Schmidt, a struggling balding actor with an uncanny resemblance to Brad Pitt. Again, Brad Pitt was going to play this role, or whoever <laughs> was, uh, gets his big break when he buys the rights to a movie and casts himself. 
Brad Pitt exists in this world, and he. Um, uh, and Brad Pitt, so Brad Pitt. But he's, just but he's like a Joey from Friends personality, where he's a really stupid version of himself. Okay, all right. Yeah, Tim Drive, a mockumentary of an overweight middle-aged Tom Cruise getting ready for his last Mission Impossible. Played by Tom Cruise. Yes, but he has mm. to get in shape, and then by the end of it, he's in shape. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> then there's Randy Snap. When Johnny Depp dies in a freak paragliding accident, up-and-coming movie director French Magnus will stop at nothing to reanimate the gashed-up corpse so he can star in his next film. Oh, the Johnny Depp one. The Tom Cruise one, just because I don't think that he would do that. Brad Pitt, maybe, but I feel like it's the Johnny Depp one. Well, I'll tell you the reason why it didn't get made. The actor was actually part of the writing process, got it written with uh, Conrad at the time, but then wanted a big, big director on it, like Quentin Tarantino, the Coen brothers. <laughs> However, they only direct stuff that they wrote themselves, so obviously it wasn't getting and made. And also someone like Quentin Tarantino, I can see the Coen brothers, but Quentin Tarantino, I, he doesn't really make those It was actually Chad Schmidt, and Brad, uh, Brad Pitt wanted a big director. He didn't want Stephen Conrad to do it at the time. I wonder if his opinion would have changed. He's too old to play the same character now, so they're never going to do right, it. Right, of course. But, but it, was, it was a funny thing. Also, what do Mr. Robot, No Activity, and Ultra City Smiths have in common? Uh, they center around uh, cops and like corruption. I don't know. That's, a, that's, a, that's not bad. Um, they also have Tim Meadows is in two of them. But the other person who's in all three actually is Sunita Mani. And she played Trenton, the hacker, in Mr. Robot. Oh, okay. So she I also played Fatima. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she voices Detective uh, Jaya Mukherjee in this. I, I didn't see okay. that in this episode. Yeah, but the bigger thing that she did in this, in the Ultra City Smiths, is that it was her dance team, her choreo- uh, Cocoon Central dance team, based in, I think, Brooklyn, that choreographed all the dance Nancy's. sequences that also, but she also did the acting. And she's also known for the Turn Down for What music video, which. She's in? She was the main person in it. <laughs> okay. Well, besides I, the guy. Have you seen the video? No, I haven't seen the video. You've never seen Turn Down I've, I've for What? I've obviously heard the song. It was it was up for best music video in in the Grammys. It's worth the watch just for how weird it is. Um, but yeah, she's mostly I, recognized from that. I was going to say that episode uh, six, that song, there wasn't a lot of dancing. But in episode five, which probably was my favorite part of that episode, is I believe Kristen, um, is it Kristen Bell's character? Yeah, yes. she, she it was the awkward song, right? In episode five? Yeah, I think so. And she's t- and like the thing about that was that the song never rhymed at all, but you did see a lot of background dancers dancing, and so that I can see where like they needed to choreograph that. And there wasn't like one baby doll character that you were like, "Well, that's a cool guy." Not really. Mills is probably or the closest that's a cool it gets. Girl. Okay. Mills is probably the closest it gets. And again, do you know who that was voiced by? Because like i have a big list of names here it would take me a while to find the exact but the other person yeah because there's a lot of characters in that as well the other person that he always casts is his brother chris conrad he's in patriot he plays kind of the um friend who well how do i i describe well i'll say in this he's detective nico in this okay so yeah the nico's the person who dies in episode five yes but in his other things he usually always likes to take off his shirt in the role so if that helps you remember who he is yeah, in Patriot. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So, <laughs> I, oh, I was also going to say um, one thing that reminded me of was... Uh, Animaniacs? Animaniacs a little bit. No, it's, it was... Um, oh, Conrad, 
Comrade Detective, I think. The thing that was voiced by, like... Comrade uh, Detective is, yeah, the Russian... Yeah, the video. Channing Tatum thing. Um, just in terms of... Actually, Mill's storyline probably the most. Because, yes. again... Nico I think it was dies. also six episodes. Yeah. Yeah, so they do their own music, which I found to be impressive as well. Uh, it was originally called Mega City Smiths. The thing that I don't understand is this. When they keep on asking him, Stephen Conrad how he came up with the idea for this show. He kept on saying like, oh, it was a few years back, someone, um, Jeff uh, Dieter, was in his garage making these baby dolls just to, for a laugh. And that that's how they decided he got the idea. Well, this is what I want to do with that. But he created a show almost 10 years ago called Tim's Valley, which is very similar. It also had baby dolls. <laughs> it only got its pilot made before it was like not picked up for the rest of it. It had like people like Kumail Nanjiani, Chris Pratt, like a big cast so as well. They, so they were able to pick it. So they like actually made the pilot. But yes, man. the pilot's on YouTube. You can watch it yourself. It's pretty offensive, just like this show, I assume, is. Yeah. Uh, it's got long sex scenes in the pilot, which I don't know if that affected anything. But were there any sex scenes in this, or were they no, just making I was, jokes? No, I was really glad about it. It was, it was only jokes and, again, some drama. Um, the sex scene, though, reminds me of Anomalisa. <laughs> again, because that had, like, a five-minute sex scene. And I was like, I don't want to watch puppets fucking each other. But yeah. Well, that's that's what you get with, uh, <laughs> with most of this. Um, IFC did Tim's Valley, which is funny because AMC Plus comes with IFC. And then you also had Easter eggs from Patriot in this show. If you look in the background at a certain scene, you will see a scene that was played out in Patriot for the finale episode. You you won't be able to get it just Did it happen in the finale episode of Patriot also? Uh, I don't know when it happened, but people were pretty excited about that. This show has a 7.3 on IMDb, 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it, it's been compared to Wes Anderson's type of, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fantastic but... Mr. Fox. However, apparently um with steven conrad's like he's been working on animation for the last 10 years and he says it's increased a lot like the the ability to what they've been able to do now is a lot different than what they were able to you to do with uh, fantastic mr fox oh yeah because i mean like you know i think it was even what 12 years ago when fantastic mr fox was made they were still needing to use storyboards and now they don't even need to do that they have like the technology to be able to make really whatever they want why is it called family of orphans by the way for the sixth episode here uh, because of Mill's storyline. Because, again, when... Just because of the mom showing up? Yeah, well, when the narrator gives the mom, like, who was the informant, the paper, that's when we realize that Mills is um is, is his, her mom because he she unravels the paper. So the relationship there between that family, I thought it was also... And made... Grace, 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 the storyline where you get the backstory of how, like, she's kind of trying to find her family and, and people are trying to find, figure out where she is. So, yeah, it's kind of like Which one is part of the bank robbery storyline? Because I heard that that was, like, the main focus. Yeah, that, that was, episode. again, that was Gail's brother and um, some other people that he knew that just wanted to, uh, again, get money. But at this point, we don't really know what's going to happen with them. Do you think this would be a fun production to be a part of? I don't know how you would be a part of this production. Like, when you say that people were able to voice, did they actually come into a sound studio and voice, or did they get sent in from home, like Archer? No, I think they had to send them in. I don't think they had to. Do, they could do them together. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what part of the production I really would want to be a part of, but I definitely would want to see the finished product when it's something as odd as this. Yeah, I found it weirder, like, the, all the connections he's built up over time also the way that so the, his shows <laughs> his shows have been made um like with patriot uh, do you remember with man in the high castle how the only reason amazon 
uh, was at one time throwing all their pilots out there and then it would be the Amazon Prime members who got to vote <laughs> on which ones were made. That's how Patriot originally got made because it was passed on by FX. Same thing. Actually, that's how Shiver and Truth was made. I think a Cartoon Network released like six uh, pilot, six pilots, and then uh, the Shiver and Truth was voted the most popular out of all of them. And if you haven't seen the unaired pilot to the Shiver and Truth, I highly recommend it. So yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say Jimmy Simpson with he's the main lead in Perpetual Grace Ltd. So and he was also mm-hmm. the main lead in this show for a while. Right. So he was probably Mills. Yeah, I would guess. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, that's who you were asking about yeah. earlier? Yeah. And he's familiar with the neo-noir thing. Did it feel like they were doing a lot of homage to the 70s oh, yeah. and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you got like some of the montage of the motorcycle is like killing people and, and, and the set design. Any specific movies that you could just name off the maybe, top of Maybe not specific movies. No but, like, Easy Rider or anything like that. That would have been no, 60s more so. 60s. Yeah, but again, like when you see the lighting kind of in the bar and stuff like that, and the cinematography they were using, yeah, very reminiscent of old time cinema. I wonder if Michael Dorman's going to show up for it because I don't think he's in this, but given that he was the main character in Patriot, that he might pop up. It might man. be like a Sons of Anarchy thing where he shows up for the last two episodes. And if there's one thing that's good about having the writer be in charge of also the directing is like, you got to know that it's going somewhere. Like this show is not going to, as long as it gets uh, renewed for as many seasons as it, as it needs to, I'm sure that Conrad has a vision for it. So you don't have to worry about it just kind of floating off and doing something so else. So it's almost like Final Space in that way, where you said like the creator that knew where the show is going to end. And- I would I would do an, all, uh, an opposite. I would say it's unlike Archer, where they ended up switching the writer who had been the writer for the longest time because of how successful the show is i don't think this this show is going to get that level of uh notoriety where where conrad would like leave it well i think it's like he's he's there until the end (laughs) well yeah and also i'm i'm a little glad that it's on amc plus and not like an actual network because there's more of a chance that it'll get picked up because of that some people were actually upset because they felt like it was buried like amc didn't plus didn't do enough to promote it because it's oh i I had no idea what this show was or even that it was about uh dolls until i actually watched it i didn't know who stephen conrad was and now i know that he's like a pretty big deal and that people really like him uh yeah but i think that we basically covered the plot there's not too much there's plenty to learn but like not too much to go over with the show so that'll be it all right thanks for listening we'll see you on the next episode bye bye